Hello and welcome, Kayleen McCaw here, inviting you to another journey into the mystic. Sending out the carrier wave that increases and inhabits the power of intention. Calling in all aspects of everyone in attendance, present and future, that have a stake in the game. All the ancestors, be they in the past, be they in the future, all the higher elements, all the parts of us that we don't know how to understand yet. All of the capital U.S. us pieces of the Gaia mind that is unfolding around us, calling in the wisdom to say what needs to be said, calling in the restraint to shut the hell up about what does not need to be said, calling in the future in which we are looking back with 2020 hindsight on this year and saying, wow, can you believe we pulled that off? And I say, yes, 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 yes igniting the force of joy that it may burn in our hearts for this is the highest truth igniting the fragrance of earth wisdom that it will be with us and draw us inexorably toward being the people that we want to be in the world we deserve that being perhaps a loaded word but I've never been afraid of loaded words before. I'm back today with my old friend, Jamie Buttram, who has just come off the experience of uh, doing a live and seeing how the waters feel. So instead of planning the conversation, we're gonna have the conversation because I just got no patience for artifice anymore. I think we're all a little sick to freaking death of people planning the way that they come across and well, look where it's gotten us. I mean, we pretty much can't agree on anything right now, except that nobody knows what the hell is going on. So, you know, I'm looking into the mystic, our journey into the mystic and the place behind the scenes at the human experience, the place where the rules that inform the rules exist is all about finding the truth that arises between us. So now I'm having a conversation with my old friend who I know is living in a slightly different version of the world than I am, but we haven't unfriended each other. What do you know? Hello, Jamie. Hi, friend. How are you? I'm real good. Real good. Here in my pink universe. I never, well, it, it's been a while since I thought I would be inhabiting a pink universe, but here I am. <laughs> a little cup of joy. It's your own tiny womb. Well, it it's is. a big womb because it's a room, room womb. Your womb, your womb room. It's my womb room of creation, and I'll give you. <laughs> I know you're getting curious. I'll give you the ceiling view. This is what you get to look up when you lay down on my sound healing table. I never, well, I did not know when I was creating this that it was going to get so much airtime. So you know, sometimes life just conspires to give you what you, what you need. Actually, all the time. Which, like, how great, because I love that ceiling, and one of my favorite parts about it is 
the light emanating from the sensor, whether the light's on or not, it's, it's painted there forever. That light is just emanating out of it. And I love the way that it reaches out into what looks like the darkness, but the way you've painted it, it's not totally dark. There's always like these little, you know, like even over there in the corner, there's like these little itty bitty blue spirals of, of goodness because they're plasma balls. I mean, as I understand it, this is on some level a literal representation of what's happening in the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's totally a representation of the, the whole yin yang type of thing too. I think you got all this light and it's surrounded by the darkness and it's combing told together and you don't find a place, you know, metaphorically on your ceiling where there isn't one without the other. Yeah. which like is totally what we're dealing with out there right now though is like you said the uh you know the walls are down the illusions are shattered and what we have to look out there and see is that beautiful and somewhat heart-wrenching culmination of the light and the darkness held together like this yeah i think i mean you know talk about going straight to the point yeah that's 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 what the uh, the machine that operates in the mystic is all about is that we we talk about being in this world of duality like it's the most horrible thing that ever happened oh my god there's like this and there's that and they're the opposite what do we do it's like that's that's how the machine is designed and our job is to learn how to watch learn how to allow those opposites to work together and when they're working together the machine is turned on and the ride turns good and as long as we're trying to say it's like, no, I'm on this side and you're on that side, we're stuck with a machine that ain't never going to work and you can suffer as long as you want, but, you know, I'm, I'm over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm like somewhat over it too. Uh, you know, like you said, I just jumped, I, I warmed up today with a Facebook Live, which is always a really weird land to live in because like for me, I think what freaks me out the most about them is the eye in the sky. I call it like this little, it's like an ego, a consistent ego check while you're live, this little eyeball in the corner showing you, you know, who's listening and who's not. And I don't know why that thing weirds me out so much, but it's definitely. That's why I didn't want to do it. Because, you know, there's enough ego involved with just turning on the camera. But when you have people watching in real time and you can actually see whether they're bitching at you or saying, you go, girl, it's like I get totally out of my connected with all that is and into my. (laughs) And, you know, that's just not the person anybody needs to hear from. No, I mean, like I take the whole thing as kind of a, a personal challenge, if you will, to a focus. So like today when I put it on to talk to people, I was talking, um, by the way, about sustainability. That was a big, that was what I wanted to talk about was sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot of things people could say they don't like about this time we're living in right now. I am on the opposite end of that where I have a really long list of all the things that I love about the time we're living in right now. Mm-hmm. And I uh, really want to talk about how we sustain that in a way that works for all of us, not just the ones of us who uh, are doing all right or have had, like managed to get to a place of privilege where we can be doing all right, whether we're employed or not, or you know all the things. But that is really important to me right now because, again, I hear a lot of people moaning. Sometimes I feel like America is just one big, I don't know, whiny teenager. 
It's well, we've been trained the... to be that, honestly. In all, I think, yes, we are corporately, collectively, we are functionally retarded. But we come by it honestly because we have been trained by, uh, well, let's talk about the news media. You know, whoever you like or don't like, they have shown us a version of conversation that's all about how can I make you look stupid? How can I prove my point? And there's nobody out there demonstrating how to find out from each other what truth we share. There's no, well, there's, there are a few conversations going on on the edges about how do we remember how to think and think about what we want. And the crazy thing is, I mean, in this, you know, world turned upside down time, I'm finding all of those conversations being had by the people who were told are crazy and dangerous. Like, C word, conservatives. I'm, I'm finding a whole lot of sanity coming forth from people who would squarely call themselves that and be proud of it. Now, they're not spouting any of the, you know, crazy rhetoric. They're just saying it's like, okay, if we want to get our head screwed on, let's just focus on getting our head screwed on. And right now, I think that's maybe one of the most powerful steps we could take. Yeah. I mean, for me, one of the most powerful steps we can take is to just take a damn minute to listen to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look around and I just see back kind of like with that teenager vibe, a lot of people just going, la, 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 la. I don't want to hear it. You know, if you're saying something, then what I've already decided is my reality, then don't you dare come in here right. and mess with it. Right. Um and that's on both that's on both sides. We talked, you know, we talked about this some last week, this world of extremes that we're living in. Um, and I just, as I continue on this interesting journey we're all on, I just keep saying to myself, balance, 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 and sustainability. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you, you well, those are those are two important things. Um, well, it's like uh for me, what I'm seeing right now on top of, you know, the broken illusions is it's almost like society's put a big table out and the issues are getting laid down on the table of what we need to take a look at. And there's some really big things on the table. Um, I mean, our society is whole. It, the table is our society. And then these other little things are elements of it. So things like racism, uh, domestic and child abuse, our medical system, our education system, um, communities, our communities are being put on the table. What does it mean? Arts, theater, uh, anything we come together to do, concerts, live music, uh, which I guess all kind of goes into community. Religion falls all into this this land of community because like for me, if somebody asked me, I would tell you theater is my church. You know, I don't, I don't go to church anymore. I did. I'm a recovering Christian. Uh, I still believe in a big old G-O-D. But for me, when somebody asks me, who's your community? Where's your church? It's theater and it's art and it's artists. Mm -hmm. Um, And all these things are kind of laid there. And I feel like as per usual, instead of anybody looking at them, they're using a trick they use with us all the time, which is beating a dead horse of, you know, like to quarantine or not to quarantine. That is the question. Right. And, and really most of the questions that people are fighting about are the wrong question, which is why we're fighting. Cause once you, what, I believe the big magic here is once you find the right question, it's the question we all know that we agree on. 
um, and anything other than that is just dangerous right now. Because one of the things I see happening, I mean, from this metaphysical perspective, that is my natural home base, is that the time we're in, you know, they've been telling us this time was coming for a long, long time. The mystics have been saying it's like right about when the clock says, you know, Pluto conjunct Saturn, <laughs> hang on, honey, because the ride's going to get pretty crazy. And that's the ride we're in right now. Um, so I look at it from the perspective of all that stuff is happening within this time when we know that all of our different stories that we've been telling throughout recorded history are swirling around the drain and getting ready to go through the big black hole together. Now, the good news is that on the other side of the black hole is the white hole that brings us out into a new world. And there's really nothing to be scared of except the fact that we're scared of everything. So the real issue, you know, becomes how do we the quest for a bridge for how to communicate with each other while we're all in our own little boats. We're in the same stream, but you know, somebody pointed out in a great post recently, everybody says we're in the same boat. It's like, well, no, actually we're not. We're all in different boats. Some people are in the boat where, you know, don't you get it? I'm afraid of dying. And some people are in the boat saying, don't you get it? I'm afraid of corruption. And some people are in the boat saying, don't you get it? I'm afraid we're not going to make it to the new world. And the thing we need to get is that everybody's getting real with the darkness that lives inside of us. And we have not been trained how to do that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, as you're talking about that, and then this visual of all these things circling the drains coming into play, it's, it's like, what's, what's the key word that comes to mind with that? And for me, it's forgiveness and healing. And those things that are circling the drain, like they've been circling, you know, like in that wider pattern until it gets nice and small. So we've got like this tornado, the tornado going in the drain and it can't like, yeah, yeah. It's like this and it can't like suck down until we say, I forgive you. And that is on like, for me, the way I see it, it's on so many levels and it starts at the beginning of time. It starts at, cause there's, there's a basis here and I could go even further back, but for me, I'd rather just start at Greece versus Rome. We got to pick a yeah, and if we're going to pick a place, why not pick like where literature says is the beginning of society? And it's that's where, where literature... Where our collective Western view of the world comes from. So it's as good a yes. place as Yeah, so Greece, you know, Aristotle, all the things, that's where we start. And when we start there, what we find is that what we're looking at now, there was a world that had been established and another whole world came in and just... And we took... The Romans took the parts that they liked and kind of kept them but redisguised them as Roman and moved on. But here's the thing, if your ancestral heritage is Grecian from that period in time, which there's a lot of us who are because it was like wasn't a big world back then. Yeah. Um you're basically like a Roman or a victim of a Roman in that time period. So we have one of two outlooks on it. You either have come forth through your ancestry with the memories and the collective memories of being the conqueror or you have the collective memories of being the conquered and having your whole world stolen from you and it just kept repeating from there mm -hmm. you know like most recently the the holocaust is the closest i can come to another place like that where we shattered everybody's whole world and you either came out 
the conquered or the conquer, and that depends on your perspective. Right. The thing about that story, um, you know, the victim victimizer story, is that one, the truth is that we, even if it's only through the record of our DNA, have participated in that story as all the different characters over time. So nobody is only the victim or only the victimizer. That's just not a reality. We all carry the emotional imprint of the story. And if you're the one saying, I'm gonna get those bad guys because they're bad, well, you're still stuck inside a story about conquering and war and slavery and oppression. And if you're the one saying, I'm gonna make sure those you know, guys who think I'm the bad guy because I'm in charge don't get me, you know, you're still in a story about oppression and conquering. And um, to me, I've been working on this for a long time, the, the answer that cuts through all the wrong questions and the thing that's been made really apparent by the fix we're in right now is it's now becoming obvious on the everyday level that we live inside of the stories that we tell. And we're all telling slightly different versions of the story, so we're living in slightly different versions of the world. So what I'm looking for is that meta story that makes it not such a big deal. You know, everybody's got their own thing to work out right now, but the stream is taking us where it needs to go. So that's just really not an issue. If you're in your boat and I'm in mine, it's like, whatever, you know, we're in the stream. The stream is going to the, to the ocean. And ultimately you, you get up and you take the drone shot and it's like, oh yeah, we're fine. You know, we're just confused. Um, and from the astrology, that's not gonna end anytime soon. You know, with the theme for May is really uh, wanting to know what's true and not being able to figure it out. So getting comfortable with uncertainty is going to be super important for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, I just thought to myself as you were saying all that, this is why forgiveness and healing is so important mm -hmm. because you know, uh, as you were saying that, I thought, you know, at first it was like, oh, wow, she's correcting me because I love living in this land without bad guys, too. But it's not true, you know, because we're talking about, like, forgive yourself immediately because what we're talking about is the stuff that's circling the drain. And that's such a great point that at this point, point in our history and our collective conscious yeah everybody's got some remnants of some like all of it you know in there yeah. and so that's but that's what makes it so important is to forgive the whole entire narrative exactly. because even in this body we're in something about this collective narrative of bad guys and conquerors and witches being burned there's something in there that's still really really bothering any individual I mean, for me, I'm the type of person where all like, all of it bothers me. I'm like, can we just love each other, please? And that's, that's why I get excited for this time because I really, really feel like this time that's what's meant to be happening yeah. is human beings are meant to finally evolve in, and it's not even about evolution. It's about remembering our purpose and what we are to begin with. And to me, Every single human being is light. We are light. That's what we are. And we were sent here 
we are on this earth to love one another. So we are comprised of light and our journey here is to love. Now that looks different for every single person. And some people are definitely going to love in a way where I'm like, I don't know about that. But like, we don't get to control how people love or show that love. And for me, that's what I'm most excited about is telling a story about a new world where we wake up to those memories and I'm going to get really kind of woo out there for a minute, but I do feel like I have been here since the beginning of this time. And that at the beginning of time, I was given the mission to come here over and over and over again and interact with people on a human one-on-one level and help remind them of that. Mm-hmm. I agree. And uh, you know, please don't apologize that for that because that's why we're in the mystic. Because those are the rules behind the rules. You know, even if it's only because we carry the DNA that is the record of consciousness and it's inside of me. And as I wake up to all that I am and the reality that, you know, most of me is out here in the biofield, well, that's where the record of all my ancestors lives. That's where my connection with all of the interdimensional intelligence that informs our existence is. It's all out here in the biofield. It's very literal on a subtle level. And good news is that our scientists have found the place where physics meets the mystic. Hallelujah. So, you know, I was thinking about that word the other day, woo. Okay, so people say, oh gosh, you know, don't be woo-woo. I'm so sorry if I'm woo-woo. Well, there are two things that word might mean. One is it's the sound that a ghost makes. Well, that shit's real, so who cares, right? We want to communicate with people who don't have bodies because then we no longer get uh, freaked out by death because we realize it's just, you know, we're in a different suit. And the other way is the, uh, I I think it's a Chinese word, but it's attached to Buddhism, the wu-wei is the power of doing without doing. And it stands for this quantum yin force that is exactly what we need. So either way, I'm with the woo, baby. I love you. You are (laughs) just like, you're just the best human being because your fire is like, it's so bright, it's so vivid, and it's so contagious. And I, I love that about you. Um, but you're always really fired up when you're talking about things. I know I can't. Um, it, it's because I got preacher blood in me. It just it comes. <laughs> no, but that and I mean, like, but that's part of what I'm excited about because I would love to live in a society where some little subconscious twinge in my brain didn't say to me, "I need to apologize for this," or that I need to apologize for any part of me because, in my own personal journey what I have been working on is getting to know me uh I had spent a lot of time in my life getting to know everybody else very 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 well and very intimately uh and then I realized at one point I didn't know me and uh I am still at a place where I'm kind of scared every now and then to be me because what I in that journey what I realized is I have subconsciously been hiding for a really long time. And so I'm basically combating 37 years of hiding and being very scared to just go, this is who I am. This is what I do and not have that little subconscious twinge to go, Ooh, sorry if I'm saying something that could offend one of you. Um, Cause like, it's kind of cool being almost 40. Cause now I'm like, I don't think I care. 
if you think I'm waxed to the brim. Right. Like this is me and this is who I am. And if you're not meant well, yeah, and, and just going like if somebody wants to listen to me and let that do whatever it does in their life, cool. Um, but I'm gonna start showing up and doing and saying the things that I, f- I feel like I'm supposed to. And I'm saying that it sounds really easy, but I'm not I'm not good at it. Uh, you know, I get scared to come. Yeah. yeah, we haven't been trained to. And the people who have been doing it with ease for a long time are, you know, pretty much assholes. They might be right, but they've got no social skills whatsoever, which is why they're not afraid of just saying whatever the heck they're right about. And, you know, finding out how to be a loving person and be yourself. I mean, that's the magic trick I think we're all coming to right now, because that's that's part of this whole confusion is getting it in your face so much that no matter how good you get at faking normal, it's still a lie. And if people love you because you're a good fake, then they don't love you. And that, I mean, it's a big step, but it's the only one that works. I want to be surrounded by people who really appreciate who I am. And I'm not letting that happen as long as I pretend to be somebody acceptable. You know, there are people out there waiting for the person you really are. And all of your friends who don't want you in their feed, if you say something that disturbs their reality, that's a pretty shallow definition of friends. Yeah. No. And it's, it's like, for me, it's been so powerful to learn who I am because when I took a minute to get to know me, what I found out is that everything that I do and everything that I say and every breath that I take on this planet is fueled with love and that I don't have mean bones in my body. In fact, I, I would say the thing that has been said to me the most in my life, and especially recently for some reason, is you are like overly kind, which I'm not sure how, <laughs> I'm usually confused by that comment, but that's what I get is like, you're so much kinder than me, or well, you're a better person to me. And I don't, I basically just never accept that rhetoric because I'm going like, no, we, we all have that in us. I just live it and um, I do it for all people. You know, I can sit and talk about abuse or talk about conquerors and whatever else. But the thing is, is in a, when you live in a world with no bad guys, then compassion can come in. So for me, for example, if you're talking about domestic abuse or child abuse, you're immediately going to decide that that person who is abusing someone is a monster, is a bad guy, and you're going to go after them. But what I've learned through science, mainly psychology, is that that person deserves our compassion too because they are just, for lack of a better word, broken or lost in some way. And they, a lot of them don't even know what they're doing, nor are they even really in their body while they're doing it or truly present while they're doing it. And so we get all wrapped up in that narrative of the bad guy instead of looking at a person who needs help and it gets a lot easier when you look at it that way it doesn't excuse it I'm not saying it excuses it but when you say that person's really broken and most of the time they're just doing something that was done to them as a child and they they weren't able to break that cycle and so here we are history repeating itself in a little tiny microcosm right um playing out on the world stage in a big way I mean that's kind of some of the behind the scenes stuff 
but um, it's, it's important because we get conditioned in the victim story that compassion means letting them keep on hurting you, which is, that's not real compassion. That's just, you know, playing the victim role so well that, you know, maybe the bad guy will give me love and then I'll feel loved. Uh, where, you know, it's that, it's that trap loop that keeps you stuck on the inside. But the reality, yeah, that if there's anything that we say, I will not forgive that. This is the absolute, where if you, A, B, C, X, Y, Z, you are going straight to hell and I will send you there myself, um, then you're trapped inside the story. And the yeah. reason we forgive people ultimately is not for their good, although you know, eventually you might get there, but that's really not what's important when you're starting out. The reason, well, this is the way I like to say it, what is forgiveness for? It is for to give us all back the power to be the best versions of ourselves, And honestly, I got attached to this philosophy through the sound healing work. Uh, it's, you know, kind of a weird leap there, but when I take my tuning forks and I work in somebody's biofield, I'm dissolving the subtle knot that corresponds to the trauma that comes from some bad guy doing a bad thing to you. And I think you asked me this question once or some, where does the bad stuff go? You know, don't you have to be scared of the bad stuff as it gets released? It's like, but when it gets released, it goes back into the flow and it becomes what it always was hoping it was going to be. It returns, if we're talking about an abuser and, you know, we both have real up close and personal experience with this, um, an abuser who is acting out the stuff that happened to them, they're spewing out, you know, the energetic, stuff that's in them, then we're returning that person's identity in my version of the story to their fundamental innocence. That beautiful, safe, warm, I am at home. I am inside of love. And from that place, everybody acts like the people we all want them to be. Um, so for me, the trick is restoring that flow without getting caught up in all of our really edgy stories about the bad stuff that's been done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that, the idea of... Um... Re releasing all of us from it because what happens when we decide that uh, trauma or a bad thing has happened is we all kind of get imprisoned by that um, which again is what's happening on a mass scale right now but what's funny in the land of no bad guys with somebody like you know Donald Trump, no matter how you feel about him when I take a look at him through those no bad guys psychiatry compassionate glasses what I see is someone who was never shown what real love looks like and who was told what he was so many times even though it wasn't that that's who he grew up to be and you know like that's one of the things we're trying to unravel that's one of the things that's going down the drain is this idea that in our society and in our collective conscious to an extent all of us are being told who we're supposed to be 
mm-hmm. whether that's who we are or not. And that breaks down to simple g- gender biases at this point. Right. Like little girls are supposed to be this and little boys are supposed to be that. And um, for me, it just really helps to remember that and to look at people that way and to go, there's not a lot of people on this earth who are truly, truly living every day of their life to just hurt other people. That's not, yeah, that's not their- I don't think anybody is honestly. And if there are people who, you know, might be going through those actions on some level uh, that they've really come to believe that the only thing they can do is inflict pain. And wow, I cannot imagine a more ultimate victim place to be. You know, how disconnected do you have to be from that innocence, from that home, from that thing we all want and that place we all came from, that all that's left in me is my ability to hurt people. And the thing is, this is the language of dreams. It's the language of the unconscious. We talked about it last time as the prophetic language where the stuff that's inside of me, if I don't know how to see it, is going to be displayed for me on the screen of the world. That is one of the laws of the world. It's a law of the mystic, it's a law of physics, it's just the way that it is. I can do my shadow work and face my own stuff and deal with things in a way that is relatively painless and really feels kind of blissful and cool. And if I won't, life is gonna say, look, look, look. But it's gonna do it in such a way that you're looking at somebody else who's hurting you. Which, you know, if we could go back and edit that part, I would like to change it because it's the message that we can't get because it hurts. When people will say to each other, see my world, and if you don't, you're hurting me. That's just that, it's just the voice of stored trauma getting in the way. It's the shadow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked about this last time too, of if you're somebody who's not doing shadow work and kind of taking a moment quarantine or not to have introspective time in your life and just look around in here because that's part of getting to know you is because here's what happened for me once I said what are my shadows where do they come from and how do they appear in my day-to-day life I was able to regain control over my life and my mind and my thoughts. And as I've sat here and thought about it and thought about it, for me, the two biggest things that changed my life and changed this world are conscious acceptance that your life is yours. You're rowing your own boat. You're the captain of your own ship. You are the only person in charge, period. And gratitude. Gratitude for that and gratitude for everything that comes at you, whether you perceive that thing as positive or negative, being grateful. And I... For example, I do that with simple stuff, like my car breaks down and all of a sudden I have no car for a week. You, an older version of myself, would have been like, why me? Why is this happening? And now why is the world against me? I, that happened to me actually beginning of quarantine. <laughs> a bunch of stuff happened to me. It was crazy. Like a cat, my cat died. And a couple days later, my car died. And it was just like one thing after another. But I never was in that place because where I live now is like, I probably wasn't supposed to drive for those four days. The universe literally, like uh, my mind space says the higher power took my vehicle because I needed to stay home for those four days. Right. And you, you had to practice that to get there. Yes. We've been, we've been trained to do the opposite so well that, you know, 
learning how to get to that level is kind of the whole job for right now. And, you know, people, I mean, if your nervous system's all, and somebody tells you, you could be enjoying yourself right now, well, that feels like an attack. Like you're saying me feeling bad is bad. It's like, no, I'm saying that this is the place I got to. And now, you know, let's call on all those guides that we called in at the beginning of the session. Now let's look for the language that makes sense from where we are right now to communicate what people actually need. So let's do this on purpose. We need, we need a takeaway because people are watching us who are in all different kinds of places, but I'm specifically asking for people who are in a place that I would say, what are you doing there? You know, yeah. it's not helpful not really helpful. That's not the message that people need. Um, so I'm going to go back to something I, I came to when I was working on the whole guidance on demand premise, which is, uh, it's language I came up to so that I could engage with the idea of God without throwing up in my mouth because, you know, church drama. So guidance on demand is this onboard system that we have, this connect we have with all that has ever been and ever will be whereby we get everything that we need and one of the things we need is directions from where we are to where we want to go I mean that's kind of the primary purpose of our navigational system so in order to use this navigational system you have to know two things the first one is where am I and that requires taking an honest look around to see where am I? And if I'm ashamed of where I am and I don't want you to know, I can't use guidance on the man. Ow. And that's kind of, I think, where a lot of us are at right now with this whole inflamed nervous system is where I am is in a bad place, don't you get it? It's like, yeah, but until you know where you are, I can't give you accurate directions to get to where you want to go. And the other thing you got to figure out is at least some version of where you want to go. Otherwise, I got no data for you, sweetheart. So, you know, if where I am is help me, I don't know. That's a better place than fuck you, I'm in pain. Mm -hmm. Because uh, help me, I don't know, gives this guidance network the power to say, it's like, okay, start to follow your joy. And you'll get to a better place. And one of the things that we um, habitually do when we try to be people's guidance system, instead of connecting them to guidance on demand, big G-O-D, guidance on demand, if I come to you and I try to fix you by saying, you know, this has to be the right answer because it's what worked for me. If, if I mean, if we, if we were sitting opposite the table from each other, and we want to get to the dish of food in the middle. And I try to give you directions on how to get there based on what I have to do. I'm gonna send you in the wrong direction because I have to reach east to get to the applesauce and you have to reach west. So we need to communicate with each other in directions that are simple enough. It's like you gotta head for the center. And, and then, you know, if, if you know that, if you know that we're going to the place where everything meets in the middle, and we trust that when they meet, they blend in harmony, because we trust life, then it's all going to work. And for me, that's one of the big missing pieces is we don't trust life. We trust fear. 
we come by it honestly. It's not to say you're a bad person. You've been systematically trained to trust fear by all kinds of broken stuff. The, the reason the world fell apart is because it was broken. And you know, this is what you were talking about on your live, I think is let's take advantage of the fact since we had a crash and the world's not going while it stopped lemonade baby let's decide where we want to go let's be honest about where we are we're inside the rubble of a broken world and it's more important to just be honest about that than to say whose fault it was it's like that's all the stuff that keeps your brain from working it doesn't matter where am i i'm inside a world that is broken into bits where do i want to be i want to be home I want to be in a place where we're all home together. You know, I want to be, I want to click my ruby slippers together and say, there's no place like home. Ah, the power has always been within you, Dorothy. If we just remember that there really is a home vibe, we will get there. Yeah, well, and, and remembering that home looks different for everybody. Everybody's idea of home is a little bit different, but we all can agree that it's a place where we feel safe and just another thought on what you were saying too it's funny and she probably thought I was crazy but I, I messaged a girlfriend the other night and I said how are you doing and she said I'm in a big black hole and I was like cool what's in there uh, uh. you know like are you coming out anytime soon like I knew what she meant it was a mental place and she was feeling like uh you know, everything she did was wrong and everything she did was hurtful to other people, which is totally not true. She's a beautiful soul. But again, I wasn't like, oh, that's so sad or whatever. I was like, what are you learning in there? Like, what do you see in there? Like, what what is surrounding you? Or, or you know, like, where's the ladder for that hole? Or where's the stumble spot for that hole? Like, where do you trip and fall and land in there? Because that's where I think the lessons come from. And I was at a point, you know, they'll say like, oh, when life gets really hard, that's where your lessons are. But I'm at a place where for me now it's both. Um, yeah. When I'm feeling intense emotion uh, of either kind, I ask myself like, where is this coming from? How do I recreate this? Especially with happiness. Um, our, our bodies do this crazy, you know, it's a biological thing where we actually retain negative memories and negative uh, vibes more than we do positive ones. And I think that's a story we could simply rewrite. We've been telling it for too long and now we all just accepted it, but that's the story that happens. And so um, it was suggested to me by a friend from her psychiatrist. She'd said, if you want to retrain yourself, every time you feel yourself at the peak of happiness and bliss, take a moment to just kind of like feel what that feels like, give it a minute to sink into your memory and your mind and just to you. And her point was, is that when you take the time to do that, you'll start increasing the moments when you're happy and you'll start teaching your body how to be happy more often on your own without using some type of substance. Cause there's some of us out here who like, don't think we can function without this thing or that thing because that's where our happiness comes from and it can be you know weed for the dopamine or wine because that makes you giggle or prescription drugs whatever it is that we think is our happy but when she said that to me a few years ago it was really powerful to me because I went that's the reminder that our happy can always come 
from in here. And uh, one of the coolest things I've learned about generating your own happy and dopamine is uh, learning does that. Reading books does that. Learning and good conversations with friends, debates, anytime where you're just engaging your mind and truly learning something new, you are uh, creating that feeling of happiness and of dopamine is being produced. And I think that's really, really cool to know that you can put the joint down or the pill bottle down or the bottle down of anything and just turn around and learn anything you want. I'm not going to tell you what to learn, but that that can generate this happiness and honestly through learning <clears throat> that's always where I find the healing too mm-hmm. or the tools yeah. wow. you know I think the other way of looking at that that's all really good really good the the buzzword that floats around that I think reflects what you're saying is the present moment is that that being in the present moment feels good uh, and fear is in the future, and anger is in the past. And in the present moment is all of our possible possibility for joy. Present moment, like inside my body, is where I connect with guidance on demand. It's where I am the writer of my story. It's where I'm the one making the decisions. There's, you know, there's no bad guy because that was, you know, that's what I look over my shoulder at when I run away or, you know, what's out in front that I, that I hide from. But in here, in this present moment is limitless power. It's where I can connect with that flow of goodness that wants to take us, you know, through the hole and out the other side. Yeah. You got to train yourself to do like, and train is the word I want. You got to train yourself to be in that present moment and you have to train yourself to feel when you're not. And then once you've done all that training, you also have to be able to forgive yourself when you recognize that you're not being fully present Um, and take that minute to ground or take uh, for me even today during this feed, there was a point where you're talking earlier and for a second, I realized I wandered into the past you know, or then another time wandered in the future for a minute. And I said, Hey, 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 no, we're grounded right here. This is where we are right now. We're in this moment (laughs) for the next, you know, however much time we have. And when we're done, we can, we can look at that if you need to, or we can look back over there if we need to. But for me, that was, that was a really interesting thing was one learning how to ground in my body and two being present. And what I realized, uh, I, I would say, this fall was the first time in my life where I fully did what I call landing in my body. I invited myself for the first time to come live in this space and to know it was safe. And that, that was actually even when I started getting to really know myself truly and to make that a mission is that I went, well, if I'm going to live in here (laughs) instead of like out in the mystic and in the ethers and in the present and the past and in all of the things in, in your life, because I'm a big, huge empath, what I realized is, um, and I'm still guilty of this sometimes, is when I don't want to live my life because I'm such a strong empath, it is really easy for me to leave and go live yours um, and try yours on or turn on a show and try that person's on because I so very easily transcend out of my own life and then go feel what yours feels like. Mm-hmm. So, I think you know, and that like, People are doing that with their unhappiness too. You know, it's it's not just a relief from pain. Uh, I, I think sometimes we do it unconsciously, and that's what all this anger 
results from is I'm living your life and I hate you. You know, how dare you make me live your life because you're bad, um, you know, and feedback loop, feedback loop, feedback loop. But I, I think the, the real takeaway from this is that the humbling moment is when you realize that the issue here is our nervous system, which is a mammal nervous system. Call it a dog, a monkey, a squirrel, whatever you want. Uh, in this point, I think it's maybe useful to think of it as a dog because there's all kinds of advice out there on how to train your dog. And it does not involve beating it or shouting at it or making it feel bad. That just doesn't work. You train a dog with rewards and cuddles and with limitations. It's like, no, I'm in charge or else I make you into a bad dog by letting you think you're the boss of me. I mean, there's lots of, you know, Cesar Milan, you know, Cesar Milan, the dog whisperer. I mean, ooh, you know, he, he talks about a state of mind that makes you able to control a dog, which means it's the same state of mind that would make you able to control your own nervous system. It's calm and assertive. I am calm and I'm the boss, but I'm not your dictator. I am the boss of me. And therefore, if your place is to follow me, you follow me. I am the boss of me. And if my place is to bless you, then I bless you. Um, I, I'm calm and assertive. Calm and assertive, Cesar Milan. But if you get over the indignity of realizing that my nervous system is pretty much the same as Fido's, then you can train it. Train it to be a good dog and serve you. Train it to be a sheepdog and round up your herds. You know, train it to fetch your newspaper. Train it to do all kinds of good things instead of pooping on your carpet. Yeah. No, totally. And I, I think, you know, we need more conversations about that and what it looks like as a, a mom with three small kids. I do at times compare some of the stuff I do to training dogs. But what, um, what I constantly get frustrated about is I will see these articles that will say, you know, no yell method, no spank method, no whatever method. And then as you read that article, what it proceeds to do is condemn parents who do such things tell you the psychological ramifications of doing such things and pretty much the article just leaves you with going don't do it and what I always say is so what do we do instead I'm not saying that I do those things but I'm saying when I look at those articles I go so you just told me all the things I'm doing that are bad at what point did you take the time to tell me the reader how I can remedy that how I can do better or show me just through example what discipline in the form of love looks like what does it look like and I mean honestly I answer that question by going well what do you do with yourself because as people I mean geez like once a day we do something that we could really be taken a task for in a sense it's all in here in your nervous system you know what I mean but like that's what I ask myself is how do I want to be talked to when I've really, really, really messed up. And I definitely don't want somebody screaming at me and I definitely don't want somebody hitting me. I want to sit, I want to just sit and have a conversation about how I do better next time. Yeah. Yeah. And the first step of, you know, the person who corrects you in love, the true parent the, the sane parent who corrects you begins by making sure you know that you're mine, baby. And we can always start over. And 
there's some bad feeling right now, but that's just right now. What's came before right now and it's going to be after right now is that we are in a love relationship together. And that that's the most important thing you can know. That's that feeling of home that I'm talking about. And maybe that's actually a trigger word, you know, for a lot of people, because home can be where your biggest pain came from. But as a goal, that innocence maybe is a, is a more unbroken word. My fundamental innocence in which I am one with all that is, and it feels good. You know, that's what I'm talking about when that, that homing signal that activating that homing signal inside of me that says that's where I'm going. You know, we're connecting with guidance on demand. You want to know where I'm going? Well, I'm going home. And y'all know where that is, whether I know what it looks like or not. That, that place we came from where everything was cool is the same place we end up where everything's cool. When we realize that those two things that were opposite each other, well, one of them's the mirror <laughs> and they take turns, you know, which one is the flasher and which one is the eye flash back. They're, they're partners. You know, I, I, I come back to the, the beauty of being theater people. We know that when you're playing opposite somebody, you're probably lovers that, you know, you're in a relationship and that that's how the story gets told. Yeah. No, that's, that's really beautiful. That's I'm, beautiful all, I'm all looking for the beauty. Well, I think we maybe got about as, about as far as we ought to go, because we can just go for hours and hours if we keep on, keep on talking. There's a limit to people's attention. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's true. And I think home is a great place to leave it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that uh, no matter how you find and get to home that all the paths are right um and and that you really just have to want to look for home and to understand that uh home is really just you home is really just you it's it's not all the walls and the bedrooms and whatever home is you and home is the people who make you feel seen who make you who hear you and who allow you to feel happy and safe to me that's home and that can that can be anywhere anywhere where I find those things I feel at home mm -hmm. so I would take it a step further and say home is the feeling of being safe and included and on the same team and that yeah any place you find that it's like we were talking about before practice the feeling mm -hmm. and when you become good at feeling it then you carry your home with you and you bring everybody you encounter into that feeling with you. Yeah. Well, I think that's, um, that's the story we should be telling for the new world. And that's the prayer that I have in my heart is that every single person on this planet can have a place for them that feels like home. Yeah. So we're just calling that forth. I, in my boat, am heading for home and it's not home until everybody's there it's not my shelter from you it's my shelter in the beauty of gaia gaia is all of us knowing that we're home together and we're becoming aware 
at our own pace, in our own way, in our own little boat, in our own little story. And I don't care what story you're inside of, it's the right one. It's the right one. And if you reach out from your own boat in your own story for guidance on demand, it's there. And you don't have to even know where the heck you are because where you are is in your boat looking for home. And home is, home is where it's going to take you. There's no place like home. No place like home. We should all, let's just, we should just click our heels as we exit this, as we exit the mystic. The the magic in your blood. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Yay. Thank you so much. Thanks for hanging with me. Thanks for having me. Thanks for hanging with us. So as we send out the tone again, we release the messengers into the mystic to activate everything that we have called forth. And I declare the reality of home for all of us. And that's exactly how it's going to be. See you on the other side.